Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. I listened to an internationally known comedian. He traveled the world. He was the top. He was asked in a sit-down question atmosphere, what do you think is going to happen to you when you die? Without missing a beat, he said, I'm going to a better place. I'm going to paradise. The question that was not asked was, 
What makes you think you're going to paradise when you die? He has since died, and I can assure you, he did not go to paradise. He went to a place of punishment. What is going on? Where did this all begin, and and what is your destiny? And do you have any influence over your destiny? Yes, you do. There's a fight going on that we're not watching. Often, what we are not watching is what is most important to us. But we're not even aware that it's important to us, and so we treat it lightly. I want to unfold and share with you the covenant that was made by God that directly influences your life. You do well to pay attention. Don't drift off. Grab a hold of this truth and begin to understand what is truly going on in the world around us and understand how this world is going to end and where you're going to find yourself. It will be no accident. The covenant that was made stands today. It is being played out moment by moment in your life and in mine. What you decide about how you will deal with this covenant will determine where you spend eternity. In Genesis, the second chapter, Adam and Eve are placed in a garden, and they are told, Do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, or you will surely die. Now, Adam and Eve have no experience. They're adults, but they haven't had time to understand what the game is yet. You may not have had time. You may have given your time to work and to enjoy, to enjoyment, to pleasures, to the natural lust of your heart. And you've never really stopped and said, wait a minute, what's this all about? And why is it so intense? And why are people dying? They're dying because this contract is being played out. And it's being played out on a galactic scale. Already billions of people have died because of this galactic battle that's going on in this little place called Terra Firma, Earth. It's a it's a bitterly serious game. It's for life. You think it's safe to gamble with your life 
Well, I can assure you this will be no gamble. But you may be utterly unconscious of it and lose. You need to be very acutely aware of what the stakes are in this game. They will touch you and your family with finality. So let's look at what our destiny is. There was a serpent. He was called by God a wild animal. He was said to be more crafty than any other wild animal. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the trees in the garden. The Lord God did say you must not eat from the tree that's in the in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. She has no clue what she's even saying. Die? What's die? She's never seen death. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Well, right now, she only knows good. But in a moment, she's going to be introduced to evil. By her choice. But it's an ignorant choice. The woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, I want you to notice she was deceived. Adam was not deceived. He had known God long enough to know, don't touch it. But he made a strategic decision, and it was the wrong choice. He decided that he would join her. Suddenly, the eyes of both of them are opened. They realize that they're naked. They're uncovered. They're bare. They're vulnerable. They're frightened. They sew fig leaves together quickly and make coverings for themselves. But then they heard God, as usual, coming in the cool of the day to walk in the garden. And they hid from the Lord. The Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. Why was he afraid of God? Because he was naked. He was uncovered. It was clear now that they have taken from the tree. They have broken the command of God. They are out of fellowship. They're on their own. The man answers, The woman you put 
here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. It was a deliberate choice on Adam's part to side with his wife against God. Now we begin to see something dreadful is happening between Adam and Eve in their relationship. Adam chooses Eve, but he blames her. Listen. The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. It's the woman. The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. In verse 13, this is Genesis 3.13. Now we begin the statement of covenant, and everything that we need to understand is found in this covenant. The Lord said, Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. This is to the serpent. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. So God is saying, look, I'm going to put you down. I'm going to make your life miserable. And indeed, the devil's life is filthy and miserable. Turns his heart to such bitterness and such anger now against God. But then God says something that I need to thoroughly unpack for you today if you're going to understand the war that's going on between your soul and this serpent being. He is filthy. He is determined to destroy this couple. He is determined to destroy the whole race of human beings. And he almost accomplishes that, resulting in the great flood a thousand years later. He says, God says, I will put enmity. Enmity is hatred, hostility, no fellowship between you and the woman. Well, who's the woman being spoken of here? For years, I thought that that woman was definitely Eve, but it's not. To understand what's going on, you have to recognize that the enmity that God issued between Satan and the woman was not between the wicked nation, the wicked man, the wicked person, Satan, and Eve. This is a long-term game. It's not a short-term. It's a strategic battle that begins. It's between the woman and your offspring, the devil's offspring. Well, who are the devil's offspring? If you read the context, the devil's offspring is the whole human race. 
they are now under the control, the power, the authority of the serpent. I will put enmity between you and Mary. Between you and Mary. Between your offspring and her offspring. Well, who are her offspring? Mary had one child that was the offspring of God and of the human race. That's why it's so important to understand that Mary had to be a virgin. This enmity that God is placing between Mary and her offspring and hers. In other words, between your offspring, Satan, you have now taken charge of the whole earth. And I'm saying, no, that's your offspring, but there is going to be offspring coming between the woman and you. And that offspring or that seed was Jesus Christ. Jesus is the offspring of the woman who is at war with the serpent. Now let's get this nailed down very clearly. The key players in this battle will be between the woman her offspring, and the offspring of the devil, the children of the devil. He will crush your head. That is, the offspring of the woman, offspring of Mary, will crush the head of the serpent and you will strike his heel. Well, how could the offspring of the devil, how could that result in the death of the serpent? A long battle. A long battle where now Jesus, offspring of Mary, is going to win back as many as possible from this dreadful, wicked strategy to destroy God's creation. To the woman, that is Eve, he said, I will make your pains in childbirth very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. 
And then the husband is going to earn his bread by the sweat of his brow. Okay, it's set up now. The setup is God has opened a window of opportunity. He's not told them what the window is. They simply know there's a window of opportunity that God is covenanting with the people of earth. He's saying, I'm not going to leave you to the power of this demon serpent that has come to bite and kill you. I'm not going to leave you totally without a window of opportunity to escape from his poison bite. Now, let's be clear. Every one of us, myself included, was born in sin. And sin is that, it's that bite of the devil. It includes both good and evil. And many of you have lived in the good. But most of us have not lived in the good. Now, the reason many of us have been bitten by the serpent because he wants that poison to course through our veins, twisting us, breaking us, causing us to be cursed along with him, causing us to grieve and die. All that is evil is both good and evil. Say that again. All that is evil is both good and evil coming from the fruit that Satan will bring into your life. And it looks like we can live successful, happy lives eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil just feasting on the good. But we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the judgment of God is against you and against me. The judgment of God is against every human person that will ever live on the face of the earth. Cain is very angry. His gift was not accepted. His offering was not accepted by God. Chapter 4, verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? 
do what is right, will you not be accepted? No, you will not be accepted. For you are the seed of a serpent. If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. This is the position that all of earth faces. Sin is crouching at the door of every heart, determined that you will obey and live by the power of darkness. And God is saying, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching right there, ready to consume you. You must overcome. If you've listened to this preacher very long, you've heard these themes spoken of many times. And the reality is, all of the natural passions of man, all of the natural inclinations of man, have to be overcome. We must become new creatures. How do we do that? How do we overcome? Cain invites his brother to go out to the field. They go out together, and in the field, Cain attacks his brother, Abel, and murders him. Satan is going to slowly build his fortress kingdom, the kingdom of darkness on the earth. It begins with a murder. He's punished by God. But then he begins because he can no longer work the garden that's been taken from him. He now is building a city. He's the first businessman. He's building a city where he can live separate from the rules of God And he can live according to his own rules. He can live according to what he wants. He can amass his fortunes. He can exercise his power. But there is built into this a curse that says you're always going to have to start over. You're always going to live in the land of Nod. And you're always going to live in a place where you must have a new beginning. To stabilize that, institutions were invented. Because institutions could be more solid than a single human person. You could have your board of directors. You could have your vice presidents. 
They can even replace you, and the company will continue. As happened with Ford Motor Company and every other institution. Institutions are not God's design. The first rule of any institution is survival. Human beings are not necessary for survival. They can be replaced. We're going to see that more and more as AI takes over the thinking and the operation of the world. So now Lemek, one of the children of Cain's family, does not want just one wife. He wants two wives. And he says to them, Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times, and a spirit of bitter warfare enters into the human heart. This leads us through the the years, until finally Satan is winning the battle conclusively, it would seem. Everyone on the earth is violent, bitter, angry, murderous, except a very thin line of descendants from Adam. And there the great struggle is going on. It results in God finally saying, All right, enough. I'm going to destroy the entire world and every human being on it, save for Noah and his family because Noah is a righteous man. Methuselah has died. Other righteous men have died. And no, Noah is the only one remaining of Adam and Eve's children that obey and serve the living God of heaven. They have been given the gift of offering animal sacrifices. Why is that a gift? Because it's only by blood they're told that your sins can be forgiven and removed. I want you to hear it's only by blood that your sins can be forgiven and removed and you're made into a new creature. So Noah builds the ark. As soon as the flood is over and Noah comes out from that ark, immediately there is from the children of Adam a 
stream of children. And out of that stream, there is a common line of speech. And they begin to build what is called the Tower of Babel. They begin to build a city and a tower that will reach God's place. They begin to worship themselves. God looks at this and he says, it didn't take very long for the world to become filled with violence. It didn't take very long for them to begin to worship in very evil and wicked ways. We really only have one solution. They have a unified language. Let's go down and let's confuse their language. It will dramatically slow their progress in evil, evil worship. And so that's what we find happens. Chapter 11, the book of Genesis. The people are scattered over the face of the earth. They no longer can meet together and strategize with evil spirits. They can no longer, with a people speaking the same language, it will be impossible for them to come together and begin to do what they want to do, which is rise up. Now, here we have here we have a frightening thing. We have the God of heaven who is saying, I'm going to raise up a people who will be of my seed. And so he begins that with a man by the name of Abraham. He begins to develop a nation called the Israelites. Abraham and his foolishness Oh, we're all so foolish. Doing what we want. He takes, at Sarah's suggestion, her slave, an Egyptian, and they have a child together. Child's name is Ishmael. Scriptures say a donkey of a man. Can't get along with his brothers always fighting and scrapping. We see that today in in those that are fighting against Israel. So we have now God raising up a people who are sacrificing animals to temporarily cover over their sins. He brings into the camp of Israel circumcision a very clear indicator that man 
can do nothing without the power of God. It's imperative that both men and women study these scriptures very closely, understand what God's plan is for a woman. When is a woman a woman, and when is a man a man? And what is God's plan for them? How does he bring about that plan? What are the destinies of men and women? Year after year, the children of Israel are developed first in Egypt, and then God calls them out under Moses. He established them in their own land, promised to them by God. Everyone wants to take it away now, but it will never be taken away. It is God's land. So now, Abraham is given a whole new way to function. Utterly being given over to the Lord God of heaven. Full surrender. Now, why is that necessary? Because before this, it was full surrender to the demon snake. The remnant of that snake is found on pagans' legs and arms in the form of a dragon. There is a love for snakes among the wicked. Even keeping them as pets. I don't know of anything that is more disgusting before God than to keep a snake as a pet. But God brings men and women forth, Miriam and Moses and Aaron, leaders of his people. He brings leaders to help direct these slaves of Satan into righteousness. They see Sodom and Gomorrah utterly given over to evil, wickedness. And God says, look, I warned you at the flood. Now I'm warning you this side of the flood. Because this is what will happen to everyone at the end of time when they face the judgment. So burn Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes. You can go there today and you can see the ash I have. You can see that it was utterly burned with fierce heat. It was destroyed. And all of the people who lived in that whole region were destroyed. Now, 
I want you to see where this fits in this great game that's going on between Jesus Christ and the devil. Because the day came when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. The great creator God who made all things, who created everything we find on the earth, the sun and the moon and the stars, the trees and the sea. But all of it has felt the corrupting influence, including human beings, of this serpent who is determined to block this child, trying to kill him when he was born by Herod. Please understand me when I say there is no peace. There is no peace between the seed of the devil and the seed of Jesus Christ. The devil is working at a furious rate to infiltrate the churches, and he's being very successful. One of the most successful moves he did was bring forth hip-hop, music, bring forth other cultural things. Please hear me when I say this. Sin is always found in culture. Sin is always found amongst people who will agree with it and who will build up a culture. If you look at what's happening right now in the black churches in America, you will see a culture. And that culture is casual, arrogant, disrespectful. Racist, because the devil hates the black people. And God is calling forth men and women who will stand, who are black, and who will speak to their culture. It's not pretty to listen to them. But they have been infiltrated by the devil, bringing men and women into his camp that are so talented and so capable and yet are utterly filled with darkness, who are reprobates, but who are lauded as heroes. So we're seeing today the tearing down of the Christian culture in the black race, bitterness and anger and judgment, fornication, every other unclean thing. It is plain that after Jesus, a door of opportunity has been opened. that through the blood of Jesus Christ, 
we can be born again. And believe me, black, white, Chinese, all of the races have been utterly corrupted by the devil. And as the devil has gotten to us, has established a culture, and that culture is darkness. Jesus is against the culture of the world. He is not going to restore the culture through the church. The church must have its own culture come out of the world and be separate from them. And the culture of the church must be recognized as holiness and righteousness. It must be recognized as loving and kind and merciful, and yet with no regard for the powers and the works of darkness. Please hear me. There are only two real cultures. The culture of darkness and the culture of light. Now, he'll spin off many different cultures among the wicked and among those that are being vied for by the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Jesus does not call for a culture of Presbyterianism or Catholicism. When we enter heaven's gate, we will be of only one culture, and that is the culture of Jesus Christ. Righteousness, holiness, love, joy, peace, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. There is only Holy Spirit culture that will enter into heaven. Every other culture will be cast into the depths of the fire that will consume it and burn it. There is only one hope for us, and that is to be born again in Jesus Christ. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Oh, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? How can we live in hip-hop any longer? We can't. How can we live in the Chinese culture? We can't. How can we live in... In the white culture of America, we can't. You must come out of the world and be separate. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? What do you mean? We were baptized into a death of worldly music and culture. 
that worldly music has moved into even the most conservative churches. Somehow, music has become worship. What utter foolishness. Music is not worship. Worship is the opening of the heart to God in obedience. Worship is obedience, not music. That's why some of the old timers were so concerned about this. That's why Charles Wesley and John Wesley in the writing of many hymns, these hymns were the, were the way of teaching the theology of Jesus Christ, salvation. Charles Finney, he would often begin his worship service with no music, no hymn. Sometimes he would have a hymn or two if he felt it would help open the eyes of his congregation. Am I saying that music is wrong? Yes, in the church today, music is evil. Hip-hop music is evil. Rock and roll, in my day, evil. Most of the music of our day, even in the church, is so sexualized. It awakens the evil of a man's heart. It awakens the evil of his spirit. It blocks a man from being convicted of his sin. It gives him a sweet feeling of emotionalism without the demand for obedience. Any piece of music that does not open the heart to an honest obedience and praising of Jesus is not going to be helpful to your Christian character. I know many of you will be angry because I've said this, but I'm only speaking the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ must be obeyed, and we must draw near to him through the confession of his name. We draw near to Jesus, not by music. I continue. We were therefore buried with him through the baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may too live a new life. I'm talking to you today about the new life. Those people who have been won by Jesus out of the depths of wickedness, and they have given themselves utterly over to Jesus. They want nothing to do with the powers of darkness or the entertainment of the world. They know 
salvation comes from the heart of Jesus and transforms them into new creatures, new beings. I know this may not be an easy message, but I urge you to go back and listen to it again. Give it to family and friends. A door is open to salvation for eternity through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you ignore that blood of Jesus and you ignore that open door and you continue to play between your theology and the devil, you will not go to heaven. Die. That's all the time we have today. I urge you, if this message is helpful, that you give as the Lord prompts you. This is a battle, and a battle takes funds to operate. None of it goes to my pocket. It goes to Jesus and the radio broadcast and the work of the church. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.